A Wizard of Odyssey? What video game are you up to now? Oh, I'm up to my eyeballs in a mineshaft with Odyssey 2's new video game, Pickaxe Beat. Quick beat, escape up the ladder, smash the boulders. Now, now, grab the elusive key to boom. On the keyboard that you change mazes to make the mineshaft even more menacing. Pickaxe Beat from Odyssey 2, where the keyboard is the key to greater challenge. Ah, the late 70s and early uh, 80s. The boom years of the video game industry. Thank you. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Yeah. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Oh, Let's change that. Do it, I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them both then and now, and we'll see if those games hold up today. Amazing. I'm Earl Green, and this is Select Game. <laughs> Welcome to the first 2018 edition of Select Game, the expanded memories of the Odyssey 2 podcast from thelogbook.com. I'm your host, Earl Green. And it's good to be back. We have quite the show this month. Not the show I was expecting it to be. And so I'm having to finish notes on and record a whole new show at the very last minute. Because real life interfered. I know that a show about money-themed games was teased for February to our Patreon patrons ahead of time. However... That fell through because one of the uh, one of the games that was going to be covered in that podcast was the Great Wall Street Fortune Hunt, which, you know, like all of the uh, Master Strategy series games, which incorporate board game elements as well as a video game cartridge, requires really requires at least two players. And my oldest, unfortunately has uh, been grounded from screen time for a little while due to things going on behind the scenes. And in the interest of consistent parenting and the united front, I couldn't very well let him have screen time to play old video games with Dad when he is supposed to be not getting screen time. But that's okay. The game that I'm going to be talking about in this month's edition of Select a Game is a game that I've been wanting to talk about for a very long time. I actually had it penciled in for one of last year's shows, but of course, as we know, last year I kind of disappeared off the radar for a little while, and it didn't happen. But it just so happens that the game I'm going to be talking about this month is my favorite Odyssey 2 game of all time. But first, here is the news. Now that's a little different. The big news that I have for this month is something I've been teasing for quite a while, and that is that thelogbook.com has partnered with Pop Square to bring you the Odyssey 2 logo pin. It's an enamel pin measuring 30 millimeters by 12 millimeters. Uh, for those of you stuck in the world of imperial measurement, that's about one and a fifth inch by half an inch 
called. The Odyssey 2 logo is as it appeared on the classic cartridge artwork. However, it is in a single color selected from the middle of the gradation from red to yellow in the Odyssey 2 logo because it was really the most affordable way to get it to you. The pins are up for pre-order right now at only $7 each. But here's the catch. 30 of them have to be pre-ordered for the pin to go into production at all. If 30 are not pre-ordered, then it won't happen. Uh, everyone's pre-order money will be refunded. And, you know, it remains in the realm of vaporware. But damn cool vaporware, because I helped design it. If we do get 30 pre-orders in and the pin goes into production, the pins will ship in the spring. And of course, uh, Pop Square ships worldwide. And before you ask, I have actually availed myself of some of their goodies before. On my Cloak of Geekitude, there's an enamel pin of Powdered Toastman from the Ren and Stimpy show that is their creation. It's pretty cool. So I look forward, hopefully, to uh, the Odyssey 2 pin going into production. If this sells well, the door may be open for other pins in the future, such as Video Pack or Joe Pack logos. And if those sell well, maybe we can move into the realm of game characters. Who knows? I mean, how much Odyssey or Video Pack swag do you feel like supporting? So, the link... To pre-order your Odyssey 2 logo enamel pin can be found on the show page at thelogbook.com slash select game. Pins will ship in the spring, but only if 30 of them are pre-ordered. And I want to give a huge thanks to Scott Morris and Jen Cohen at Pop Square for taking a chance on this idea. So... Let's get around to Talking Turkey, the game that you came to hear about. Perhaps not the game you thought you were going to be hearing about. Another Ed Averett creation and possibly the best one of all time. We're talking about Pickaxe Pete. For those of you in Europe, this was game number 43 in the Video Pack Library. For those of you in Brazil, it wasn't Pickaxe Pete at all. It was... Didi Namina Encantada, also known as Didi in the Enchanted Mine. This was what it was titled in Brazil and South America only. The point of this was that it was tied into a popular comedy show that aired on Brazilian TV between 1977 and 1983. The show was a sketch comedy concerning four men, including Didi, who seemed to be unable to do anything right. Kind of like, uh, you know, Benny Hill times four. Now, this was a really interesting bit of licensing that worked in literally one country and one market. But, you know, whatever uh, whatever gets the game sold, I guess that works. And it's also kind of interesting that the television show from which uh, the television show which Pickaxe Pete was turned into a tie-in for in South America uh, literally ran from the year before the Odyssey 2 was introduced 
to the year that the Odyssey 2 pretty much ceased to be, at least at retail. It's a coincidence, but it's a fascinating one. Here's another fascinating coincidence for you. If you, uh, you know, recognize the platforms and ladders climbing gameplay mechanic of this and wonder if this was supposed to be the Odyssey 2's answer to Donkey Kong, yeah, obviously you are correct. However, it was originally going to be a much more direct answer to Donkey Kong. In an interview I conducted with Odyssey 2 programmer Bob Harris for Classic Gamer magazine way back when, Bob had this to say about Pickaxe Pete. He said, Pickaxe Pete was originally Hammerin' Hank. After we lost the KC Munchkin case, there was concern that the game looked too much like Donkey Kong which, after all, it was designed to be a copy of. So, based on what Bob Harris says there, it's entirely possible that there may be an early draft of Pickaxe Pete that much more closely resembles Donkey Kong than the finished game. As we'll discuss when I get around to playing the game, Pickaxe Pete has many nuances. There's, there's more mileage between Pickaxe Pete and Donkey Kong than there was between Casey Munchkin and Pac-Man. And so there were no legal sabers rattled over this game. In the Winter 82 issue of Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine, this preview appeared. Keep your eyes out around June 1st for the introduction of still another edition to the latest creation in action from Odyssey 2. A fifth Grand Slam in the Challenger series, Pickaxe Pete. Pete's in grave danger while mining for gold in the Misty Mountain Mine. I, I have a typo in my notes. It says miming for gold. <laughs> and now a moment of silence for Pickaxe Pete. If he wants to survive, he has to jump and dive to avoid being smashed by giant gold nuggets that come rolling in from all directions. He takes journeys through mine shafts that bring him to new dangers and more difficult action. Pickaxe Pete gets more difficult the longer you play, and it comes with full sync sound action and great animation. This one's another sure winner in the Challenger series that includes UFO, Monkey Shines, and Freedom Fighters. Watch for it at your Odyssey 2 dealer. Now again, that was from the Spring 82 edition of the official Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine, which was basically, uh, it was Magnavox's way of gathering marketing data on Odyssey 2 owners and their their habits and their likes and their dislikes. It's kind of interesting that they're, you know, name-checking every Challenger series game except Casey Munchkin, who at this point had been banished to legal Siberia. If you're interested in the Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine, it's just a reminder that every issue can be viewed online or downloaded as a PDF from the Select Games site, that site, again, is thelogbook.com slash select game. So, enough chatter. Let's play Pickaxe Pete. All right, we're going to start with the, the basic map, I guess you'd call it. There are ten preset maps in Pickaxe Pete, and we're going to start with the basic one, which you get by pressing zero. Now... Unlike a lot of climbing games, you start in pretty much dead center of the screen. 
both horizontally and vertically. And then life comes at you fast. Okay, what just happened there? <laughs> Even though I was concentrating on playing too much to really describe it to you properly, is that Pickaxe P started in the middle of the screen, began climbing his way up toward the top levels of the screen. There's the sound of the pickaxe disintegrating. And there's a key that results from a collision of boulders at the bottom of the screen. There are three doors, top, middle, and bottom levels, from which boulders emerge constantly. And that was one that I just destroyed there. Here, let me destroy another one. Now, there is no written rule that you have to be ascending to the top of the screen. Generally speaking, though, it is one of the safest places until things get crazy, because this game has some unique physics to it. Okay, I'm now at the top of the screen, standing at the edge of a platform, <clears throat> waiting for two boulders to collide somewhere toward the bottom. There we go. The result is a key, and then I jumped into a door. It was a light. The door was a light blue color, so I land in a light blue maze. Now, with each succeeding level, one part of the maze, one horizontal element, basically in the standard Odyssey 2 uh, character grid, is deleted. Okay, that collision resulted in a pickaxe that tumbled to the bottom of the screen. Which didn't help me because I'm at the top. Oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm in more trouble. I need to be in not as much trouble. Oh, I got a new pickaxe, okay. Now, sometimes if two boulders collide right on top of you, you can catch whatever they're going to produce anyway. Okay, up into a purple door, and we are once more back at it, this time on a purple level. There is no map, there is no fixed succession of levels. The horizontal elements that are deleted from each screen are deleted at random. When you fall down a hor a oh oh yeah okay let me explain what just happened there. Uh, I got killed and I am alive again. As with most Odyssey two games, you have one life in Pickaxe Pete, and in Pickaxe Pete, you basically die if you are hit by a boulder one of which I just jumped over. And if you have a pickaxe and you collide with the boulder, you destroy the boulder. If you are defenseless and you collide with the boulder, the boulder kills you. And the keys that keep happening there are happening over on the other edge of the screen. 
and so I keep missing them. Here comes a key now. Oh, but I died there. 276 points. That's not bad. That's really not bad, considering I haven't played this in several years. Anyway, the, uh, the trick to dying and then living again. Basically, the boulders emerge from the doors, the top, middle, and bottom doors, constantly throughout the game. Nothing stops that. If you are defenseless and you are going to try to jump over the door to reach the other side of the screen, you know, maybe because it's safer, maybe because more keys are happening over there, what have you, you run a risk of a boulder basically just being vomited out right on top of you and that kills you. This can also happen when you have already gotten a key. And what happened to me is I had the key, I jumped through midair to reach the door. I got hit by a boulder that was coming out, but I went through the door anyway. And it's a little bug of the game that if that happens, you live. Maze Zero is the maze that is, or the structure that is most like Donkey Kong, really, for the purposes of this game. There are other mazes that are a bit more interestingly structured. I just randomly pushed Maze 4. Okay. Yeah, this one's going to be hard to survive in. Because this one gives you sort of a diamond-shaped structure, surrounded by openings. And so the openings are already there to start making the crazy physics of this game's falling boulders happen. Oh! 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 I almost bit it. Okay, 45 points. That was a very lucky... <laughs> it was very lucky that I survived. Okay, it has deleted one of the platforms near the top of the screen. So there's a, a really safe place, I suppose, where nothing can reach you. But man, you're going to get killed trying to go anywhere from there. Because the side effect of these horizontal segments being deleted from the map is that boulders bounce differently, and sometimes they bounce upward, which kind of defies physics, but it it makes for an unpredictable game. I can see why the game was designed that way. So the more open space you have, the more unpredictable the behavior of the boulders, and the more dangerous it is to reach the doors. Here's a key. Oh, crap. I just went into a black door, and that means that the next room is black. Nothing you can do will illuminate it. You just have to, uh... Oh. You just have to live somehow. And that's going to be extremely difficult. Oh, crap. Uh... Bye. Okay. That was a 94-point game. So that was uh, screen 4. Let me just randomly select another one. Screen 3, not that different from screen 4, except you have a little more space up top. However, there are lots of openings that are immediately going to make the physics of the boulders um, really quite random. 
case in point. Two boulders just popped out of that door. One of them came rolling straight toward me. The other one just bounced and started doing its own thing. It's quite suspenseful, really. It gives you a little bit of a, a moment to pause and breathe a little bit, which is why this is a good game to play if you have some time. Because one game can... Oh, had to duck that one. And I had to die. If you're lucky enough that you do have a safe spot in the game, uh, you can hang out there for quite a long time waiting for a key. Or, you know, you can go use little boy's room in the Misty Mountain Mine. That sort of thing. It's interesting for a moment having earlier read that uh, kind of epic description in the Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine to read what's actually on the box. Thrills, chills, and spills as Pickaxe Pete strikes it rich in the Misty Mountain Mine. So, oh, I still have a receipt on this one. This game was bought from Sears. I remember when Sears actually added Odyssey 2 to its uh, selection of home game consoles that it supported. Bought this one for $29.99 from Sears at some point in 1982. Now, since the Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine mentions a shelf date of June 1st, 1982, that puts the arrival of Pickaxe Pete months before the introduction of the voice of Odyssey. Which is probably just as well, because the game really stands on its own without any such gimmicks as the voice. And I just, I can't imagine Pickaxe Pete falling to the bottom of a mineshaft and going, Ouch! Oh no! So, you have to uh, take these small blessings for what they're worth. Let's get back to playing. What we're going to play now, however, this is my favorite Pickaxe Pete level. Let me try to describe it to you real quick. Basically, it is completely uniform, completely symmetrical to start out with, because you know bits of it are going to be deleted as I advance through various levels. However, the only vertical openings are sheer drops which will kill you, um, are sheer drops straight down the left and right sides. Okay, now that horrifying noise was an example of what happens if you walk into a door without a key. It uh, just kind of churns you around for a moment, spits you out in a random direction. Oh, yeah. You deposited the key right on the door, so I just jumped right on both of them. Okay, so we have this very symmetrical maze here. Only now there is a segment deleted from it. Here's where things start to get interesting. The absolute safest place to be on Maze 9 is at the far end, left or right, of the very top level. So, of course, the key is going to appear all the way over on the other side of the screen from where I am right now. Wait and be patient. Be very patient. 
And it's going to put it on the other side of the screen again. Oh, it's going to put it right over the sheer drop. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. That's that's a key that will only get someone killed. Oh, there's a pickaxe way down there. Thank you. That uh, really gives me inner peace. Okay, I'm going to go over here to the other side of the top level. Because so many keys seem to be coming straight up here. And part of that is... And I failed to take this into account. Oh, of course, there's one over where I was. Naturally. Just like the next one. Grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, folks. You can always tell when the door is about to disgorge boulders in one direction or another because it will start to change colors. Here comes something. Yep. Oh, I really didn't need a pickaxe at the bottom side of the screen, but thanks. Patience. I did mention patience, didn't I? Here we go. Okay. I just took a suicide jump all the way to the bottom of the screen, but I did get the key on the way. And now I'm going to try my best not to die immediately. This, it turns out, will be most difficult. Okay, invisible maze. So I have no idea what has been deleted. And I can't see crap. <laughs> okay. So. There goes my axe. And it is seriously going to crank out all the keys and all the pickaxes all the way over at the opposite end of the screen. But this is an invisible maze. It's much more dangerous than the average maze, which is getting dangerous enough. I can't even tell... I can't tell what's, what segment has been deleted. And I'm watching the boulders trying to figure out where they're... Uh, Oh, no! Ah. Well, that stank. Only got 190 points on that one. The ninth maze, for my money, is the one that involves the most strategic thinking and the one that chucks the most surprises at you because once the horizontal segments begin disappearing on this screen really weird physics come into play involving the boulders. So 
It's the sound of me jumping over boulders because I'm unarmed. Although, if you have one that's bouncy and airborne... Oh! If you have one that's bouncy and airborne, you may have to slide under it like you're sliding into home base or something. So, yeah, all those skills you built up playing baseball really come into play here. Not really. Patience. I only have 15 points here. Patience, he told himself. Keys keep going over to the other end of the screen. Not gonna chance it. Well, I really needed a key, not a pickaxe, but thank you. Yeah, not to be ungrateful. If I had gotten a pickaxe, that would be a pickaxe that I didn't have a minute before that, but uh, we're going for it. Alright, got me a key. Green level. There's really no significance to the colors. It doesn't help you predict uh, which segments will be deleted as you advance from level to level. It has no bearing on anything. It's just random. But it's a change of scenery. Okay, the segment that has been deleted is at the bottom level, which means that some really crazy uh, boulder bouncing is going to start happening down there. Just any second. Geronimo! White level! 101 points. Oh, I'm stuck two levels down from the top. And I'm defenseless. And this is going to get deadly real quick. One more time. I promise after this, we'll get back to talking about the game rather than sitting silently through me playing the game. I'm going to try to be a little bit more uh, risky and wacky and out there with this round. Kind of play it kind of like I did when I was 10 years old. Boom! 50 points, light blue level. Okay, it's deleted a horizontal segment of the maze close to the top. That can backfire real quick. I think I'm going to be at the opposite end of being alive, which means being dead. One more, I promise. <laughs> okay, yellow level, 39 points. I didn't jump over or destroy a whole lot of stuff. Oh, it's deleted a segment right next to one of the doors. That's going to start screwing things up instantly. Anything that comes out of that door is going to exhibit some really weird behavior that will probably not be conducive to me staying alive very long.
Blue level, 90 points. Oh, it's deleted the uh, the exact opposite of that. So anything coming out of that middle door is just going to start careening through the maze like crazy. This is going to be fun. White level, 131 points. Oh, well, that was helpful. Okay. Oh, it deleted a horizontal segment right above... Oh, yeah, and I'm already seeing some really weird uh, breaks with the laws of physics. It behooves me to get over here, not just to get the key, but because it's the safest place to be. 177 points, light blue maze. Okay, oh, and now it's deleted that one at the bottom again. Well, this progression of deletions, which, you know, like I've said, is completely random, but this is a progression designed to get somebody killed in a hurry. Blue level, 218 points. Alright, hey, it's one of my favorite things. It has deleted a horizontal segment, leaving a little platform at the very top of the screen, which is kind of where I've been standing anyway. Except I haven't made it anywhere near the top of the screen, and I need to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, let's... Uh, oh, well, that was helpful. If I can make it up here... All right. Now the boulder's coming out of that top door. Bounce off that hole. Bounce off the edge of my little isolated platform. And they either go down or they bounce back up into the door. I have a safe place here where I can take a little bit of a breather. So I have a chance to uh, bide my time, consider my next move, decide if I'm going to go after this key or not. I don't think I am. I am, however, going to take some pictures so I can give you some idea of what I'm talking about. Alright, that key is nowhere near me. That key is in another freaking county. I'm going to wait for one to come to me. And I'm pretty safe up here. I mean, I could probably, you know, I could probably go use the crapper if I needed to. And there's a delightful mental image that you'll be wanting to delete from your mental hard drive immediately. <clears throat> Red level, 268 points. Had enough of sitting still. Oh, it's deleted the bottom segment of the uh, the opposite side on the. Okay, so the bottom, the bottom. Oh crap! 
I'm falling, I'm falling all the way to the bottom, I'm going to die suddenly like that. So there you go. Pickaxe Pete, level 9, my favorite. Because it really does offer the most challenge out of the whole game. The promotional push behind Pickaxe Pete, as far as Magnavox and Phillips were concerned, was pretty unusual for an Odyssey 2 game in that they decided to have a contest in October of 1982. Basically, you know, if you were in the Knoxville, Tennessee region for the 1982 World's Fair and you were an Odyssey 2 fan and you had developed your pickaxe Pete strategy, well, you too could participate in the great pickaxe Pete pickoff. The results of which were announced in the Winter 83 edition of Odyssey 2 Adventure magazine, which included a picture of the finalists Michael McKim, George Floyd, Jody Schumacher, Brian Schumacher, and Tony Scardino, who was the eventual winner of the Pickaxe Pete pickoff. A chance of a lifetime. Sure, when's the last time you had an opportunity to win a pound of gold worth over $6,000? For the five finalists in Odyssey's Pickaxe Peak Contest at the World's Fair, it was serious business. Before the match, some warmed up to help ease the tension. And then the race for gold began. Get ready, get set, get picking. Contestants were flown in from all over the country for the extravaganza. Yes, even Pickaxe Pete himself showed up to help. It was a close race, closer than many expected. But 10-year-old Tony Scardino came out on top. Do you have a style? Do you have a way that you go about doing this? Yeah, all it is to do is get, get onto the left side uh, of the screen on the top and uh, just jump boulders, get the key, and go into the door. Ah, but fame did not go to the young boy's head. Or did it? What about your friends? Do they feel good about you winning or what? They don't even know yet. They don't know. What are you gonna, how are you going to tell them? Are you going to call them? Oh, no, I'm not even going to tell them. You're not going to tell them? No. Why not? I don't want them because they'll bother me. However, once down away from the hustle and bustle of the crowds, the kid from Weehawken, New Jersey, got a chance to call home. Hello, Ma? Yeah? I won. <laughs> Ah, nuts. This game is tough. I guess that's why Tony gets the big money. Mike Graham, Action 10 News. Bill Kunkel, the late, great Bill Kunkel, who was the executive editor of Electronic Games Magazine, wrote extensively about uh, participating in the Pickaxe Pete Pickoff as a commentator, along with his uh, Electronic Games Magazine cohort editor, Arnie Katz. In the final rounds of the pickoff, they provided color commentary, basically. In the piece that Bill wrote originally for GoodDealGames.com and then later included an expanded version of the article in his memoir, Confessions of the Game Doctor, which is now very sadly out of print, he talks about the, uh, the highlights of this event, including the fair and its infamous Sun Sphere, which unwittingly projected Knoxville's economic plight to the world rather than a bright future. The 64 World's Fair, this wasn't. It's uh, it's pretty hilarious in sort of a dark sort of way, and uh, very much worth the read if you can get a hold of Confessions of the Game Doctor. 
or read the original article on GoodDealGames.com. It's also worth noting that a an enhanced version of Pickaxe Pete was released for the video pack G7400 Plus in Europe, which included a background pattern depicting the mine. Um, pictures, you know, screenshots of that version of the game were also shopped around in the American game and entertainment media as a taster of what the upcoming Odyssey 3 mainframe would uh, offer that was different from the Odyssey 2. Of course, the Odyssey 3 never actually came out, and uh, so that version of Pickaxe Pete remains a European exclusive. Now, I have played the enhanced version in emulation, and my personal opinion on the background pattern is that it's neat, it adds to the atmosphere of the game, it also makes it really hard to see what's going on. So, uh, you know, maybe kind of an expert handicap there for you uh, video pack G7400 plus owners out there. So there you have it, my favorite Odyssey 2 game, Pickaxe Pete. It's, um... I was really tempted to talk about Pickaxe Pete first thing out of the gate at the very beginning of the podcast, but no, I kind of uh, delayed my own gratification there. And so here we are in at the beginning of year three of Select Game, finally talking Pickaxe Pete. And it is wonderful, finally, to be talking about this game and play it again. Since it's now 2018, it has been 21 years since I first moved from my hometown in Fort Smith, Arkansas, to the undiscovered country that was Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I had accepted a job as a uh, TV writer-producer. One thing that went with me from Arkansas to Wisconsin and back again, obviously my Odyssey 2 collection went with me. Now here's the thing, here in a few months, I'm going to have to box all of it up again and move it cross-country again. Here's the story. I am moving to Utah this summer so I can still be a part of my kids' lives. Their mother has accepted a work transfer to the Lehigh, Utah area. And uh, I'm going with them. And yeah, this is not a case where... <laughs> This is not a case where she's trying to shake me off. She told me in advance that she, you know, had received word of the transfer and that it might be happening. And, you know, so it's very much a case where she wants me to be part of kids' lives. The kids want me to be part of their lives. I want to be part of my kids' lives. I want my kids to be part of my life. Even if they are temporarily unable to play the Great Wall Street fortune hunt. I love them. I still want to be around them. To make the move to Utah possible this summer, I have started a GoFundMe to raise money to move myself and my stuff and my crazy herd of rescue cats and my derpy dog to Utah. The money is going to be used to put down deposits on a new place to live, new utility accounts, and, you know, there's a chance there may be legal and financial fallout from selling my house in Arkansas, where I'm recording this right now. 
So those are among the things, you know, including the logistics of the trip itself, like, you know, renting a U-Haul or something else to get stuff moved. Even though I will be, uh, I will be leaving a lot of stuff in Arkansas never to be seen again, at least not by my eyes. Whatever happens, however I have to do it, I will be going to Utah this summer to be with my kids, and we'll still be firing up the Odyssey 2, and I'll still be doing this podcast. If you feel like pitching in on the GoFundMe, I will include a link to it on the show page at thelogbook.com slash selectgame. Pitch in if you are able to. Pitch in if you feel like it. It's absolutely not mandatory. Um... But it certainly helps a lot because this is uh, this is something I'm doing for my kids. Although, you know, looking at the employment opportunities in the Salt Lake City, Lehigh, Provo area, which has is Lehigh especially has experienced like this 250 percent business boom in the past 10 years, because it has become the epicenter of a uh, a tech boom in Utah. And so I have, you know, these three major areas to pick from. And I have all of my past work specializations to pick from. Television, writing, graphic design, web design, you name it. You know, I am throwing applications at the wall to see what sticks and see what I get an interview in. So, it's going to be an interesting year. It's my intention... To record ahead on all of my podcasts this year so that there won't be a gap resulting from the move. Now, what this means is that there may be a few select game episodes this summer that are more talk than gameplay, but I'll try to make sure that those are at least interesting. And, you know, I may wind up falling back on previously written materials such as Phosphor.Fossils to make that happen, but it's my intention for there not to be a visible gap like there was last year in the podcast schedule. So that's it for the February 2018 edition of Select Game Pickaxe Pete, baby. We'll be back in March with more Odyssey 2 goodness here on Select Game expanded memories of the odyssey 2 podcast from the logbook.com that's all the time we have for the select game podcast you can hear select game on itunes stitcher and throwbacknetwork.net and you can also subscribe to the rss feed you'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash select game If you really dig Select Game, also check out the 365-day-a-year Escape Pod Geek History Podcast at thelogbook.com. And donations toward the site's upkeep and continued podcast production are always gladly accepted at patreon.com slash thelogbook. You can also support the podcast by buying Select Game t-shirts and other goodies at redbubble.com. Look under user The Logbook. Phosphor.Fossils, a comprehensive timeline of the golden era of video games, including the Odyssey 2, can be downloaded at thelogbook.com store, which is also where you can find the books I've written about everything from Doctor Who to Star Trek to Growing Up Geeky. 
Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for thelogbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at thelogbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of thelogbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. Music performed by Kazatochi, available for free download at thelogbook.com. <laughs>